0: This is a Dynamite Network podcast. Press play to start. Welcome to Console Combat. And it's time to hail to the Kings, baby. Here are your
1: hosts, John and Dean. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Console Combat, your weekly home of video game character battles. As always, I am one of your hosts, John, and with me is the very, uh, surrounded by water, Dean! Hello, I am the Marble Melon. (laughs) that is a superhero name.
0: (laughs) More like Super Zero.
1: Q Zero to Hero from the Hercules movie.
0: Except it just ends on me being a zero
1: again anyway scorn you stop that you stop that you're my equally useless <laughs> ghost. see my point stands we're both equally useless it's, it's great it's good stuff that's fair uh, <laughs> uh so uh i apologize up front by the way last week i told you guys we were gonna give you a trivia question and we didn't so very sorry about that and by we he means him yes because it's my job and i failed you but i hope you packed your parachute this week dean because it's time to hop in the plane and drop into the drop zone.
0: Did I grab the broken parachute? Oh, fuck! Now entering the drop zone.
1: Uh, So we have arrived in our weekly drop zone. Uh, As we've been saying, there is not very much in lieu of game releases because it's the slow season. But uh, we do have a couple other things that we can discuss. Uh, I'll talk about this first one because it's not really like hardware or software. It's just general news. But a 13-year-old named Willis Gibson has reportedly been given the honor of having been the first human being to actually beat Tetris. Uh, He hit level 157 on his stream of the game, and the game crashed, which has never been done before by a living person, only by an AI. So good on you, Willis, for being 13, and the game is like 30-something years old, and you finished it. That means you're smarter than the AI.
0: I mean, to be fair, AI is not that smart, so... Mm. But at the same time, yeah, that's a massive achievement, because... I can't even make it past, like, one level of Tetris without being like, okay, I've had enough.
1: <laughs> too many colors, too many colors.
0: Not only that, it's just, it's not that much of an engaging game for me, so
1: for him to have the patience to do that is very impressive. Yeah, and I watched the video of him doing it. It's moving at level 157. Oh, I bet. He, he like, the moment it locked up, he was like, Oh! <gasps> he said his hands were numb and shit. I'm like, yeah, fucking 157. It's moving infinitely faster than the eye should be able to proceed Yeah, must have
0: had a high
1: refresh monitor to be able to keep up with it. <sighs> Who knows, man? I just know that uh, watching it happen was cool and interesting, and I hope that it's a good sign for kids now being successful at video games in a way that the kids from the last few years have not. And by that, I mean screaming in my headphones. <laughs> Well, that's what happens when you play children's games or adult games that children play. Mm, mm, mm. You you can tell me all you want, but how many kids are in those fucking COD lobbies? I don't know. I have game chat muted. <laughs> I don't like listening to people anymore. It's usually a lot. So good job, uh, good job, Willis. And uh, you know, hopefully, like I said, hopefully that's a sign of the times for kids to be able to do kind of the things that we haven't been able to do in, in our, uh, our careers in terms of finishing games that were seemingly unfinishable looking at you, the NES version of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles
0: Also Superman 64 and uh, The Lion King E.T. from Atari 2600 yeah. <laughs> My original copy of uh, Halo Combat Evolved where it wouldn't load the second level so I only could play the first That was fun. At least I mastered Legendary on that one. (laughs) It's awful.
1: (laughs) I Legendary mastered one level. Well, I had no other game to play. (laughs) Entirely fair. So what else we got in the news this week, Dean?
0: Steam released the winners of the 2023 Steam Awards. Uh, These are the Community Votes Awards.
1: Uh, Different from the ones that I had listed off last week. This one's more the uh, bringing to the definition of power to the player. Yes. So
0: I'll save the best for last. So the Sit Back and Relax Award goes to Dave the Diver, which I've heard of. It does sound fun. Outstanding Story-Rich Game is Baldur's Gate 3. Best Soundtrack, The Last of Us Part 1. Games You Suck At is Sifu. Uh, Most Innovative Gameplay. I don't know why this, this is probably a botted choice, but it's Starfield. Outstanding Visual Style, Atomic Heart, which yes that's true it has a very fun and unique visual style better with friends lethal company that's no surprise best game on steam deck is hogwarts legacy uh labor of love red dead redemption 2 which is kind of ironic because Rockstar's kind of like dropped <laughs> all the updates and stuff for it like they don't really release anything for it anymore vr game of the year is labyrinthine that's basically like uh phasmophobia Kind of, sort of. And game of the year, to no one's surprise, is Boulder's Gate 3. Uh, And it's been getting a lot of major
1: updates lately, too. Like, actual, meaningful updates. That's good. Good to see that the developers still care about the game. But, I mean, if they didn't, it'd be pretty upsetting to a large community of gamers. Oh, definitely. Much uh, to the opposite of that other game that came out a few weeks ago for about five minutes.
0: Oh, believe it or not, uh, this was something I was actually just reading... In a turn of events, dedicated modders are taking matters into their own hands to salvage the day before. So people are trying to revive it. Uh, I don't know why. I mean, unless the game engine itself is good, but I don't know what the legality of that would be based on the fact that it was fantastic studios that bought the license to use a lot of the assets that are in the game so if they've gone defunct then i don't believe it would be technically legal for them to even use those assets in reviving the game and of course also the copyright which actually no there is no copyright they never got the copyright for the title so i don't know so there could just be there could be some legality issues with that but people are trying to do it i don't know why but they are
1: people have too much free time yeah well to be perfectly honest, it sounds like a modern matter. Yeah, okay. <laughs> See you later, guys. I'll talk to you later.
0: All right, and I'm continuing this
1: by myself now
0: that I've kicked off the co-host.
1: <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, it's not really too surprising that people are going to try to modify the game that people are really excited about just to make it so it's even still playable after, what was it, years of devel- development? Yeah,
0: they said it was like seven years or something.
1: Yeah, so it's not too surprising that people still want to try to salvage it. Whether or not there's any repercussions legally, I guess, remains to be seen. I mean, I don't know what pricing looks like, but some of these people that have mod capabilities probably also own some of their own assets in general and can probably make it work. Yeah, they could probably replace some of the assets. as long. Well, the issue
0: is just as if they can get the source code and... You know, all that stuff. Like, if they could get those tools from the developers to figure out exactly how they had the game rubber
1: together. Yeah. Then rubber banded is a loose definition. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure that one of the former employees will be bitter enough to release it just to spite them.
0: Eh, I don't know. I mean, they could still get slapped with an NDA violation.
1: Gotta have a legal team for that. Yeah. Well, this, uh, the uh, investors... Oh, yeah. Hopefully they got their money back by now. (laughs) So what else is going on? So speaking
0: of fan-made remakes or adaptations, uh, Elder Scrolls 2 Daggerfall is getting a fan-made remaster. Uh, Currently 1.0 is available on GitHub. It is a release for an improvement update and bug fixes for the 1.0 version. And it has been under development for several years Apparently there were some pre-1.0 versions that were available as well. It is using the Unity engine, which, uh, if you don't know about the whole Unity debacle, uh, Google. But I feel like the reason that it's not being legally struck down is just because, well, it's free on Steam to get the original Daggerfall right now. Like, if you go to Steam right now, it's free. Add it to your library. Especially if you're a TES fan. Yeah, nerds. <laughs> How many real-life tome books do you have on your bookshelf, nerd? Too many. Too many. I don't have any, just so you know. <laughs> no, he has multiple. I've never played a second of an Elder Scrolls game. You should at least play Skyrim. It's fun. Although, I've heard do you need to figure out which one of the 10,000 versions <laughs> you want to buy. Because, what are we on? Like, Ultimate Master Deluxe Anniversary-o masturbator. Anniversary, Yeah, something like that.
1: <laughs> Did you say the masturbate edition? Yeah.
0: Because it's Todd Howard just jerking <laughs> himself off in the shower. Oh, so much money. Oh my god. Oh, the money. Oh, just rolling the hundreds in his balls. Well, you guys like Skyrim, right? It just worked. Going back to the uh, microtransaction uh, restrictions we were talking about last week, uh, <laughs> there's been an update on that. A uh, not-so-good one. The official who had proposed... The restrictions has been fired after there was a market meltdown, a very big market meltdown.
1: Well, that was something like 80
0: fucking billion dollars. It was 80 billion dollars. So that is insane. Yeah, <laughs> he was. Uh, it's I'm not going to be able to pronounce his name. I can pronounce his first name. It's Feng, who was the head of publishing unit at CCP's publicity department and he had oversight of video game regulators. He was fired last week after the proposition, <laughs> after the uh, proposal was announced. <laughs> Gaming giants such as Tencent, NetEase, and Billy, Billy the video game sharing site, uh, it's basically like YouTube slash Twitch kind of for China, lost over $80 billion in market value the exact same day. Uh, shortly after firing him, uh, they officially walked back the restrictions. They said in a notice the following day that it would refine the proposed regulations after considering feedback from the industry. An $80 billion market loss because of that is insane. Like, Tencent is huge here in the States because they own a lot of the companies that are on these mobile devices. Like, Tencent even has holdings, or they did. I don't know if they still do now that Activision's been required, but they have holdings within Activision and after that whole Blitzchung controversy back in uh what year was that 2019 he said one thing political that kind of goes against China and they uh (laughs) because Blizzard is partially owned by Tencent and they wanted to make sure they didn't upset them they banned him from all events it was an Overwatch thing so that kind of shows the dedication to their wallets that these companies have when they have ties to these giants like Tencent.
1: Yeah, I mean, you can't be too surprised. It's always going to be the the person with the money is always going to be scratching the person with the money back. Yes. Always. And unfortunately, Tencent, I think Tencent has more than just the big fighting mobile games. I think they're, like, don't they have shit with, like, Candy Crush and stuff too? Isn't that Tencent?
0: I believe so.
1: Tencent's a big, big, big uh, mobile game producer and they have a lot of stakes
0: yeah i don't even want to go through this entire list but uh but it's long and short. sure yeah like need for speed online uh pub mobile league of legends uh basically all the activision games yeah a lot of these really big mobile games that clearly pull it the uh, pokemon unite i mean come on they're tied into everything and for them to have that big of a market dip, that's big.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, $80 billion would crash the United States economy. Undoubtedly.
0: Well, I don't know why that's a problem. I got that in my couch cushions. <laughs>
1: he said wishfully. Yeah, wishfully. <laughs> if I had $80 billion in my couch cushions, I'd be like, where the fuck did I get a couch? Yeah. Who put a couch on my money? <laughs> money!
0: Er, Sponge Boy me, Bob. Money! <laughs>
1: I'll never not laugh hysterically at the idea of Mr. Krabs speaking so backwards because of money. But uh, I think with that, there's only one other thing that I wanted to address this week on the news, and that was the fact that, uh, and this isn't entirely video game related to initially, but we'll get to the reason why in a moment, Steamboat Willie, the uh, original version of Mickey Mouse, became public domain uh, like yesterday, uh, which was the 2nd of January for references. And yeah, immediately within a few hours, at least a couple of video game renditions uh, making Mickey Mouse into a horror character were released online. People had this shit ready to go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. It, it, Mickey Mouse is now basically going to turn into everything under the sun. That is until Disney swoops in with another attempt at c- purchasing back their uh, their character's uh, copyright. But we'll see if that even happens. No,
0: it's they've already lobbied against. So the reason that copyright law is what it is now is because of Disney lobbying. It didn't it did not used to be 95 years. It used to be like 10 years after artist's death or something or something more reasonable. And now because of Disney lobbying and lobbying and lobbying and
1: getting these laws changed, it's 95 years. So, which is still a fucking strange number. Why is it 95? Why, why wouldn't you just go straight to 100 at that point? They probably were pushing
0: for more than that and it was something that was agreed upon in court. I don't know the specifics. I I just know that this is mainly a Disney thing.
1: Like it all comes back to Disney. Yeah. And now it comes back to Disney because they're losing their biggest character as a uh strict their property yes but to the
0: same extent it's only that specific
1: version of Mickey
0: and it doesn't affect the newer models and stuff so like a 3D model modern one that doesn't count like the the Fantasia 2000 or whatever rendition of Mickey that's still copyright protected it's just that original Steamboat Willie version and I guarantee the biggest market for content of Mickey Mouse that is now legally sold is probably porn
1: I am disgusted to hear you say
0: that. Listen, the biggest market when it comes to any of that stuff is always going to be porn. I guarantee if I went on something like, uh, what is it, DeviantArt, I guarantee a lot of that. If Actually, I don't even know if they allow that kind of stuff anymore. But I, I guarantee that that's one of the big areas now where Mickey Mouse is running rampant and Disney can do absolutely nothing but seed.
1: Yep. I mean, just as a reference point, it was within the last six to eight months, I want to say, uh, Winnie the Pooh Blood and Honey came out, um, which was a horror spoof movie of the character of Winnie the Pooh. So the world will always turn the beloved into the malevolent. Absolutely. When they get the chance.
0: But I think that's amazing because it's it's something... Like, doing things like that, we're making them, like, Winnie the Pooh, a horror icon, you know? It's transformative, so, I mean, technically that could fall under fair use, but, you know, Disney has infinite money, so they could fight that in court. Um, They make a shitty remake of a movie and just print billions, okay? So, yeah, I, I like the aspect of it, and it's not like they're just completely remaking it. They're just not doing it again and then making the money off of it it's no they're they're transforming it and that's what makes it that's the important distinction yeah but then we start discussing a whole lot of copyright law stuff and then we get way too down a rabbit hole i didn't even agree to having this discussion but here we are roped into
1: it all right well yeah so if you uh if you are a fan of watching steamboat Willie be a murderer
0: getting his Willie steamboated
1: or steamboating through other people be on the lookout for whatever those horror games will be titled uh i would assume within the next year or so based on the fact that they already had trailers at the ready for drop date i think that's it though uh we have anything else for the news this week
0: yeah, so that mouse game we were talking about a couple weeks ago, I guarantee they're gonna want to change their—they're gonna change their character models, at least one of them, to be Mickey, like maybe as a final boss or something. Now that it's technically legal, because <laughs> it's in that art style anyway. Yeah, I think they probably planned it.
1: They probably already have it in there. Yeah. I would love that. That would be just poetic. Steamboat Willie is the final
0: boss. Oh, definitely. But worth the 95-year wait. Well, actually, longer than that because the game's release. Really
1: 2025 so <laughs> so that'll be tw- uh, 97 years
0: yeah no remember this is 2024 oh 96 years
1: <laughs> sorry i'm still only a few days in
0: yeah
1: but all right well with the drop zone now exited and uh, our plane is long gone let's call upon nuke dukem to ask the question of us to choose our characters
0: okay guys it's time to choose your characters
1: Alrighty, Dean, who are you going to be running with this week?
0: I will be running Erdnot Rex from the Mass Effect series.
1: Cool, cool. And uh, I'm interested to know more about him because I don't know anything really about him or Mass Effect for that matter. But to bring some aggressive kind of balance to Erdnot Rex's large stature and overwhelming capable prowess Nemesis from Resident Evil 3 will be his opponent today hmm yes stars or in today's fights case Rex, and that'll be how that goes if you insist I do insist and so does Nemesis you you Nemesis Nem insists it's time to enter the code for debug mode up up Down, down, left, right, left, right, B, A, start. I believe you went first last week, so I am going to go first with the background of Nemesis. If you insist. Nemesis. Nemesis, also known as the Nemesis T-Type, or the Pursuer, is a formidable character from the Resident Evil video game series developed by the Japanese company Capcom. This menacing figure first appeared in the 1999 release of Resident Evil 3 Nemesis as the primary antagonist and has since become one of the franchise's most iconic villains. The genesis of Nemesis lies within the dark corridors of the Umbrella Corporation's European branch, where it was created as part of their tyrant research. The creature that would become Nemesis began as a human who was infected by the T-103 strain of the T-Virus, transforming them into a tyrant. A humanoid bioorganic weapon designed to be the ultimate life form. To further enhance its capabilities, the Tyrant was infected with the Nemesis Alpha Parasite, which took control of its nervous system, forming its own brain and enabling it to follow precise instructions and make decisions autonomously. The fusion of virus and parasite resulted in a being of superior intelligence and physical prowess compared to other undead entities. Nemesis was deployed by Umbrella with a specific mission, hunt down and eliminate the members of the STARS police team, particularly Jill Valentine, who posed a threat to the corporation's clandestine operations. The creature's relentless pursuit of its targets and its ability to articulate their names added a chilling personal touch to its terror. In terms of powers and abilities, Nemesis is endowed with superhuman strength, speed and durability, making it nearly unstoppable. Despite its large and bulky physique, it can outrun any human and withstand considerable damage. Its combat proficiency is further enhanced by its use of weaponry. Nemesis has been known to wield a modified FIM-92 Stinger rocket launcher and a large flamethrower with deadly efficiency. Throughout the series, Nemesis undergoes several mutations, each granting it new and terrifying abilities. Initially, it attacks with brute force, physical blows, and grabs, but later it develops long, extendable tentacles for striking at a distance. In its final mutation, Nemesis becomes an even larger tentacled monster capable of spewing poison. Nemesis's arsenal is not limited to heavy weapons. It also drops items such as the extender magazine for handguns, which increases the maximum round capacity when attached to Jill's G19 handgun. This feature of dropping supplies adds a strategic element to encounters with the creature. The character's design and role have evolved over time with appearances in various titles and cameo roles beyond the original game. Nemesis has been featured in Resident Evil Survivor 2, Code Veronica, Resident Evil The Umbrella Chronicles, Resident Evil Operation Raccoon City, and the 2020 remake of Resident Evil 3. In each appearance, Nemesis adapts the changing environments and challenges, showcasing its versatility as a bio weapon. Beyond the Resident Evil universe, Nemesis has made its mark in other franchises, including as a playable character in Marvel vs. Capcom and Dead by Daylight, demonstrating its widespread appeal and recognition as a symbol of horror in video gaming. Nemesis's creation was inspired by the desire to introduce a new kind of fear into the game—a persistent feeling of paranoia. Shiri Mikami and Kazuhiro Aoyama, the producer and director of Resident Evil 3 Nemesis, drew inspiration from the T-1000 villain in Terminator 2 Judgment Day and aimed to create a stalker enemy that would relentlessly chase the player throughout the game. The character's backstory and biology were crafted by writer Yashuhisa Kawamura, who wanted to break new ground in horror through Nemesis. In conclusion, Nemesis stands as a testament to the ingenuity and dark imagination of its creators. With its complex origin story, formidable abilities, and arsenal of weapons, Nemesis remains one of the most chilling and memorable characters in the pantheon of video game villains.
0: Yes, as you were going through that... Basically, in the beginning, I was thinking the T-103 strain of the T-virus. That sounds kind of Terminator-y. Yeah. And then you got down to the part where it said it was inspired by the T-1000. And I was like, huh, okay, yeah, I, I'm vindicated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Cyberdine system, model T-101. Now, we got the uh, the beefed up Terminator out of the way. Let's move on to not Rex. Erdnot Rex, a towering figure standing seven foot four inches and weighing approximately 800 pounds, is a character of great significance in the Mass Effect video game series. Born on the Krogan homeworld of Tuchanka, Rex's life began before the devastating events of the Genophage, a biological weapon that drastically reduced Krogan birth rates had taken hold of his people. Despite this, Rex was not immune to the struggles that plagued his race. He witnessed firsthand the decline of the once proud Krogan warriors into mercenaries and bandits. As a member of Clan Erdnaut, Rex quickly distinguished himself as a formidable combatant. His prowess in battle earned him leadership of one of the smaller Ernot tribes while still in his youth, making him the youngest Krogan to achieve such an honor in a millennium. However, Rex's vision for his people diverged sharply from the traditional Krogan path of endless conflict. After the Krogan's rebellions, he advocated for a focus on breeding and rebuilding rather than warfare, a stance that put him at odds with his father, Warlord Jarrim, and many other Krogan. Rex's commitment to change led to a tragic confrontation during a crush, a sacred meeting where violence was forbidden. When his father betrayed him, attempting to assassinate him and his followers, Rex survived but was forced to kill his father in self-defense. This act opened Rex's eyes to the harsh reality that his people were more inclined towards self-destruction than self-improvement. Disillusioned, Rex left Tuchanka, to forge his own path as a mercenary, bounty hunter, and soldier of fortune. Throughout his centuries-long career, Rex became known as one of the last Krogan battlemasters, a rare breed capable of combining biotic abilities with advanced weaponry and tactics. His biotic powers allowed him to manipulate dark energy, creating barriers and unleashing devastating attacks. In combat, Rex favored shotguns and assault rifles, utilizing his immense strength and biotic skills to dominate the battlefield. Rex's physical attributes are a testament to the Krogan species' evolutionary adaptations. They possess redundant organs, can store nutrients in their humps, and have a natural resilience to toxins, radiation, and extreme environments. Their regenerative abilities allow them to recover from injuries that would be fatal to other species. As a Krogan battlemaster, Rex further augmented these traits with his biotic barrier, making him nearly invincible in combat. Despite his fearsome appearance and blunt demeanor, Rex is not without depth. He is deeply concerned with the fate of the Krogan and desires to see them rise above their violent tendencies. His experiences have made him world-weary and pessimistic, yet he holds on to a glimmer of hope that the Krogan can better themselves. Rex's wisdom gained over a lifespan that spans well over a thousand years, often manifests in sarcastic yet insightful advice. In the Mass Effect series, Rex's journey intersects with that of Commander Shepard, whom he respects as a fellow warrior. Depending on the player's choices, Rex can become a loyal ally and squadmate aboard the SSV Normandy SR-1, contributing his combat expertise and unique perspective to Shepard's missions. His legacy within the series is marked by his unwavering strength, strategic mind, and complex duality of his nature, both as a relentless fighter and a Krogan with a vision for a a future beyond war. And that is Erdnot Rex. And I gotta say, there's... (laughs) Reading through his backstory, which I'm sure there's probably more of within the game, within the the codex and dialogue trees and stuff, um, there's like a similarity between the Krogans and the Jirohane or the Brutes in Halo because they're both big, powerful creatures essentially. But instead of advancing themselves further, they end up just resorting to self-destruction because when you encounter them in Halo, I know I'm going off on a tangent, I'm sorry, but I have to get it off my mind. When you encounter them within the Halo games, they're basically in their second time, becoming a space bearing race because the first time they basically nuked themselves back to the stone age and it's kind of like what's going on here not as drastic but that's what it seems like is is people's history is
1: okay well i'm not certain that it's probably not inspired one way or the other by the other who's to say i'm
0: not a game writer i don't know the game writers who knows what they read or saw
1: yeah far be it for me to pretend like i can figure that out myself yeah we're not the brightest Definitely not. We're, if anything, we're probably as dull as you can get without being completely unlit. Uh, I'm duller. I think that's not even a word. See, that proves my point. Gentlemen, select a stage. All right, Dean. Where, where is the Interdimensional Arbiter landing us today for a stage, do we think? All
0: right, so I think what we're going to do is the Interdimensional Arbiter, who still has no name and never probably will, is going to bring Rex into raccoon city during the outbreak and nemesis is on his way to go find jill but is intercepted by rex
1: yeah that sounds like a good spot for them to meet it makes the most sense rex would be just sent on the mission and intercepting nemesis before you say jill but it is in fact all of stars that he is basically saving right now so
0: this is the battle speculation The speculation has no impact on my results. However, for the purposes of allowing this to be visualized by our listening audience, the hosts will announce how one of the 1,000 simulated fights might pan out. The weapons that spawn throughout the fight, as well as the environment in which they are present, are not factored into the simulations, but it further adds to the image we hope to present.
1: Let's get it going from there. They're facing each other down on the streets of Raccoon City. now. Who do you think is going to take the
0: first shot here? I think as Rex is looking around and trying to get a sense of his surroundings, Nemesis is just walking towards him because he's now in his path. And it's going to cause Nemesis to just come at Rex. Like He he just sees him as another obstacle
1: and he's just going to go through him. So I think Nemesis is probably going to make the first move here. Okay. Yeah, I, I would think that it's reasonable to assume that Nemesis is walking in that direction, Rex appears, and it doesn't really deter him, because he's a bio-weapon with a mission. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So, yeah, that, that's a fair place to start, I think. So, I don't think he's going to think much of it, though. So, he's going to just walk in the direction of Rex, and he's just going to swing at him and just try to basically launch him away from him, just like a hard left swing. Alright, so, Nemesis is going to swing it, rex
0: and rex is a soldier he's in a new place so he's on alert he's gonna notice that nemesis is swinging at him so he's just gonna duck and then probably roll back and be like who are you what are you trying to do here
1: and of course nemesis is just not gonna say anything actually nemesis will respond because he is a much more intelligent undead creature as we discussed and his response will just be rex will just be like
0: well like on a planet there's no spaceship around just look up stars are up (laughs) so Nemesis is gonna just keep coming towards Rex and so obviously Rex is gonna be like okay this guy's either a threat or mindless and (laughs) and just keep trying to be like are you okay you look fucked up
1: okay obviously Nemesis isn't gonna exactly be the conversationalist (laughs) but he is gonna recognize that Rex is armed And Nemesis is still tied to Umbrella in the sense that I'm pretty sure they can see what he sees. So they're going to see him and he's going to have his mission updated and now he's going to say REX! And he's going to lift up his flamethrower and just start launching fire directly at Rex.
0: Hmm. That doesn't sound very lit to me. So Rex is just going to dive behind the nearest car. It's already burned out, so there's no real risk. And he's going to go, okay, well, apparently this is going to be a fight. And once the little volley of fire stops, Rex is just going to pop up over the car and just unleash a few bursts from
1: his assault rifle directly at Nemesis, right for the chest. Okay. Nemesis is hit by these bullets and doesn't even, honestly, really get phased, but... For some strange reason, much like in the game itself, when you hit Nemesis with the bullets, he manages to drop an item and just a little peek behind the curtain for everybody. This fight is going to have a little bit of a different take on the weapons wheel because of the fact that the tyrants in Resident Evil notoriously drop items for their opponent. I'm going to give essentially a piñata. <laughs> yes, and uh... Only for uh, one or two instances am I going to allow this kind of a nonsense thing to happen, but this is going to be the first time, and it's extraordinarily nonsensical, because the Metal Gear Solid cardboard box just somehow fucking fell out of Nemesis.
0: (laughs) Now, does it say umbrella on the box logo? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah, of course it
0: does. (laughs) Okay. Well, this is uh, useful to no one, except for something for Nemesis to burn. I want
1: to say that your bullets knocked him back a little bit, and uh, now he's going to see that he's got more of a threat in front of him, so he's going to switch from flamethrower to missile launcher. His stinger missile launcher is going to be raised up, and he's just going to launch a volley of stinger missiles directly in the direction of Rex.
0: Hmm. Well, this isn't the first time that Rex has had any kind of missiles or explosives shot at him, so (laughs) he's just going to run between car and car, just avoiding the missiles until the volley stops. And then he's just going to position himself mounting on top of a car. And he's going to unleash a more lengthy and controlled suppressive fire at Nemesis, knowing that he needs to shoot more to do more damage, because this guy's kind of a tank.
1: Yeah, and the tank is exactly the best way to describe Nemesis, because he just continues to eat the bullets. But I am going to say that these bullets have forced a mutation in, in Nemesis that makes him drop his missile launcher. And now he's got a free hand. That hand isn't exactly a hand anymore either. Rex has obviously not continued to run. He has to stop, he has to take a breath. And Nemesis is the pursuer as we described him earlier. And so he starts walking, somehow knowing where Rex is. As in the games, it's always been shown that just somehow the tyrant characters know exactly where the protagonists are. So for to the be sake fair, of light, <laughs> though, Rex is an alien to this planet. This is true. But So he can probably just <clears throat> smell him because it's going to be a different smell. Yeah, that's true, too. That's, uh, whatever the sense may be that he's using to make it so he can find his quarry. He makes his way to Rex, and Rex looks at him and doesn't see the, the stinger anymore, and he, for some reason the flamethrower isn't raised. So I'm wondering, maybe Rex probably thinks, maybe he's changing his tune. So he slowly and hesitantly stands up to peer over the car. Not to stand up so much, but peers over the car. And through the car, wrapping around Rex, is a tentacle shooting straight out of Nemesis's right hand which is now a tentacle instead of a hand. And he grabs and rips Rex through the car and pulls him in and then just slams him on the ground. And I'm sure that's someone's fetish. So now
0: that he's in more of a close quarters combat situation, he's pinned on the ground with this hentai tentacle. And he's just gonna reach back, grab his shotgun, and two shots right to the head.
1: Okay. Uh, This will stagger Nemesis, and he certainly will let go of Rex. I would hope so. It's two shotgun blasts to the head. Yeah, well, it still is Nemesis, and of course it's just going to daze him for whatever reason. He's still pretty aggressively strong, but I'm also going to say that that also somehow manages to set off Mr. Pinata Boy. Uh This one makes probably about as much sense as the cardboard box in this particular fight because the stingray from Splatoon 2 has dropped out of Nemesis, so you basically have a glorified slime gun. Good luck using that for anything other than slipping, and I don't know that that'll even really help because you've got these like Doc Martin boots that would put like most of the goth scene to shame.
0: Well, I think this is going to be useful. So, Rex is going to pick this up and he's just gonna look at it and go, okay, this is like a slime gun. This would be perfect. So he's going to walk up to Nemesis, stick the barrel of the Splatoon gun directly into the barrel of Nemesis's flamethrower,
1: and just fill the barrel. Basically render it useless. Okay, all right, that's a clever move. All right. And that won't actually hurt Nemesis because it's not doing any damage to him, but it certainly nullifies the flamethrower for sure. So Nemesis is, again, not stupid. And he's going to just drop the flamethrower now knowing that it's useless. And of course, you've probably made a tragic error because now that he's got both of his hands exposed, both of them are tentacles. So I think now that Nemesis has been pushed to no longer having his weapons, He is, in fact, going to take a, just not a a pull, but rather a punch. He's going to punch at Rex with one of the tentacles, and then while he's on the ground, he's going to drag him back and just do another straight shot to the face while he's on the ground.
0: Okay, so Rex is now like, okay, well, these tentacles are going to be an issue. So he's just going to, while still being held by one of the tentacles, take his shotgun and basically barrel stuff it into where the wrist would be basically and just two shots on each one just trying to amputate those tentacles off of Nemesis to remove his tentacle because I don't think Rex wants to outright kill him if anything he probably wants to bring him back to the citadel for study but he's just trying to literally
1: disarm him at this point i'm gonna say that you can get the shots off i don't think they're gonna disarm or amputate i do think that knowing full well that nemesis can take like a rocket shot and basically just evolve i'm gonna say that the shots will certainly make him scream and will knock him back but they're not gonna sever the tentacles and if anything it's just gonna make more sprout out because oh, no. uh, obviously mutations are going to just consistently happen. This is how it works with the Nemesis. But now that now that Nemesis is just thoroughly pissed off, he is no longer just standing there, willing to take the fight. He has been knocked back, screaming, and he's taken quite a good number of steps backwards at this point. Rex, still not being the aggressive pursuer, is standing his ground. Now, mm-hmm. it was stated earlier that Nemesis is a fast motherfucker like really fast and what happens if you launch a tank at high speeds into an object it's gonna go (laughs) flying yeah probably yeah and I'm gonna say that that's exactly what Nemesis does at this point he's just gonna run full steam quarterback style directly at Rex just knocking him back like probably 50 plus feet okay yeah it's gonna hit Rex
0: I think what's going to happen is it's going to push Rex into an adjacent, like, apartment building. Okay. Like a decent sized apartment building, like four stories or something. And of course, Nemesis is still locked on his target. So Mm -hmm. once he recovers from that hit, he's going to just continue walking in to go after Rex. Well, Rex has figured out, okay. Well, this isn't going to stop him. I think I'm going to have to just entomb him. So he's going to wait for Nemesis to enter the building through the gaping hole that has now caused structural damage. And he's going to wait until he's in there. And he's going to pull out two grenades that he had on his belt. Throw them into the center of the building where there are clear support columns and then run out the hole that Nemesis just came through. Basically, he's trying to collapse the building on Nemesis to just entomb him.
1: Okay, I can see that being something that he would do. All right, so Nemesis did launch back Rex, and Nemesis did walk into the building, but Rex didn't walk out. Nemesis walked in and found Rex broken through a table in a movie kind of looks. Yeah. uh, So Nemesis walks in. And of course, before he does anything else, he looks down and says, Rex. And he shoots his tentacles at Rex and wraps them around his feet and starts to pull. Slowly, he starts to pull Rex towards him. A blue light spawns over Rex's body being dragged and it it was a circumstantial positioning. Sora's Keyblade spawns above Rex and, as he's being dragged toward Nemesis, it falls on his neck, just decapitating him clean as as Nemesis is pulling him towards him. And he starts to pull faster and faster and then just rips him in half and just starts screaming because he's proud of the fact that he was able to get his quarry. And Nemesis has won this battle. And it was very close, ladies and gentlemen. It was very close.
0: Well, I wonder how the Normandy's going to f- fight off the... Was it the Reapers, the Ravengers, uh, whatever they are? I wonder how they're <laughs> gonna do it without Rex now.
1: Uh, I'm sure Shepard will find a way. Well,
0: that's unfortunate. The L train just keeps on adding on cabooses. For
1: the listener's perspective we don't check out the results prior to recording. This is all a surprise. And neither of us picked before today. We both and I gave I gave Dean the benefit of first choice. So this is entirely not me. <laughs> I just have a horrible luck. This is this is a first for me, because I'm usually the one with bad luck. Yeah, and it's just been very consistent. So let's really quickly go into the results of this fight. Nemesis won just a hair more than, or not Rex. It was a 514 to 486 split, yes. so it was close. It was, it was pretty close to a coin toss. Not our closest by any stretch, but definitely a close fight.
0: Yeah, it was like a coin toss, but if you had... A- piece of hair taped to one side of the coin. <laughs> lightly making
1: it a little bit over on one. So basically it came down to Nemesis was a little bit faster and really after that it was just a luck of the draw because Rex was smarter. They're equally adaptable, equally durable, equally strong, and equally capable of fighter. But Rex being smarter was not able to supersede Nemesis being faster, uh, which at the end of the day is what caused this loss for him. Yeah, it's like the analogy of you
0: can outsmart a bullet, but bullets
1: faster. (laughs) Yeah, 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 exactly. And uh, yeah, so with the results, I'm hoping that everyone's satisfied with that one. We were trying to go for balance and we certainly found it.
0: Yeah, Uh, I'm fine with this just because it was close and I think Rex would be... Proud to go out like a warrior. I don't know if there's a Krogan
1: version of Valhalla, but I'm sure he'll be there. Yeah, for sure. He's a legend. Everyone knows the name Erd, not Rex in the Mass Effect universe, so a, there's no doubt that he definitely died a warrior's death. And I guess that that brings us to the question that we always have to ask after these fights.
0: Okay, gentlemen, let's hack the game. How do you think these two characters would fare in each other's games? And do you think they would be a good team in either game?
1: So, Dean, what do you think? Do you think that these guys would fit well in each other's games? And do you think they'd be a good team in another game of their own?
0: I have issues with the last question, but I think... Well, it depends. If Rex is a villain, like if he takes the place of Nemesis, I feel like he would be a very formidable foe. But without the modifications from the T-Virus, and specifically the, what is it, the Nemesis A-Virus? Yeah, the Uh, Nemesis Alpha. Yeah. I feel like he would just be, like, another bullet sponge to take down that wouldn't need too much strategic capability. Like, stars could easily take him down. But if Nemesis was on Normandy under Commander Shepard, I feel like he would be overpowered. Like, yeah, Rex has his biotic powers, but basically the mutation as you take more damage, I feel like that would be more of an issue to anyone the Normandy was fighting. So they use Gatling guns, could
1: you imagine? Yeah.
0: That that would <laughs> that wouldn't go well. Especially <laughs> with him just like focusing on an enemy too. I feel like it would be a little overpowered. Yeah, maybe. I'd like to
1: see it though. I think it'd be a lot of fun.
0: Yeah for them as a team though i don't know because like I and mean, if you take away circumstance i feel like it would be just a very overpowered tank duo kind of like if you were playing any of the halo games on one of the higher difficulties and because you will end up coming across a pair of hunters because they always come in pairs it'd be like that except like worse <laughs> because you got one that's a fucking military trained one that's been around for a lot and knows a lot. And you got another one that fucking mutates. Oh, I feel like it'd be worse than even
1: dealing with that. That's a fair point. And I I wonder if this, this would be a good opportunity for us to a little bit to do a little bit of diversifying this question. What if we just make the question What if they were just in a game together? Maybe they were each other's protagonists and antagonists. And I'll take the lead on this one really quick. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Just the speculation really did give us like a perspective as to how aggressive they would both be with one another. And I was even with like, I was playing it off as Rex being holding back a little bit because
0: it was more of a curiosity thing and and that he would be useful to study.
1: Yeah. Yeah, literal probing of aliens,
0: mm-hmm. and uh, uh, position.
1: yeah, yeah, and uh, I, I, I can agree with the uh, it being a bit op to see Nemesis show up in Mass Effect. I think it'd be interesting, but obviously that's the kind of mods that we don't necessarily plan on seeing. I'm sure. Yeah, no, I
0: mean it, it is on PC, so you, someone could do it. If if you have modding skills and you want to do it, uh, go ahead and make that mod and then show us some gameplay footage. Yeah, send would us the video. We'll,
1: that would be a good clip of the week for us. Yeah. And I guess really quickly, since we're uh, easily, smoothly transitioning right there, I would like to not forget to give you guys trivia this week. So I guess that'll bring me to the trivia question of the week, which is a very simple, straightforward question. What does STARS stand for from the Resident Evil series? Very simple, very straightforward. Just the Resident Evil series. Stars. Let me know. Be the first one in the comments or in the Q&A on Spotify. Whatever method you get a hold of us, whether it be on social media or on email, podcast at gmail.com. However you'd like to reach out to us and give us the answer to this question, feel free. And also, if you've got clips, funny clips, awesome clips, great shot clips from any game Send them our way. We'd love to feature another one. We didn't have one this week because we didn't have anything really good across the gaming verse to drop into the clips come up. But hopefully next week. Hopefully. I, I like seeing some good, funny clips from games. All right. Before we wrap it up, a special guest of our show, a person who's going to feature every week, just to tell you guys this following message, has a f- message for you guys. And uh... this show is part of the Dynamite Podcast Network, alongside the
0: Dynamic Duel Marvel vs DC Podcast, the Max Destruction Podcast, and the Senjo World Podcast. Please give them all a listen. Also, please follow this podcast on Instagram and TikTok at Console Combat Podcast on both. Finally, please give this show a five-star rating and a review on your podcast platform of choice. It goes a long way in helping get this show out there.
1: All right. Thank you for that. Before we close out the show, we should let everyone know what we're doing for round eight of our tournament, episode nine, which is actually going to be the last of the eight series for round one of our little tournament that we don't discuss enough, but it's been going on, which means at the end of this next fight, you'll be getting two duels a week to sub out for the fact that there's not much we can redo about histories and backgrounds. Because there's no point in going back over them. It would yeah. just end up being redundant. Yeah, so we'll, we'll be putting together the eight winners in four different fights over two weeks, and then the last fight will be the following week. And we'll make that kind of a spectacle. And then we'll be starting over with eight new fights. So, with Round eight coming up. Our last fight of this first tournament, round one, is Cervantes from Soul Calibur. Cervantes. Yes, versus Scorpion from Mortal Kombat.
0: I'm not familiar with either one of them, so it'll
1: be interesting to learn. Yes, fighting games, again, Dean's kryptonite, so to speak. I am fully aware of my... Scorpion's backstory, as for anyone who might have caught very recently, coincidentally enough, I was uh, together again with my old co-host Zach for a movie night with the boys reunion where we crossed over like a mix of all three of our shows, well, Movie Night and Ascend World and Console Combat, where we basically we reviewed Scorpion's Revenge the animated mortal Kombat film and then we speculated how one out of 1000 fights between scorpion and sub-zero might play out so that was fun and i think that's it for this week y'all you uh, you got anything else you want to say dean
0: just uh, make sure if you own a old original xbox make sure you uh, get that clock repa- capacitor replaced it's going to blow up and it's going to damage your board
1: oh fun And if you guys go on a Nostalgia Binge and you decide you want to buy one of those old, I don't know, we'll go with a PS1 and you think, I'm going to play my favorite games again. Don't forget, you need to buy a memory card. Ah, yes. I have one of those. Yeah. And uh, that's it, gamers. We'll talk to you next week. Later, nerds.